Enterprise Management 360, your main source for tech news, analysis, podcasts, and videos for the enterprise. Hello, and welcome to this EM360 podcast. My name is Susan Walsh. I'm the fixer of dirty data and delighted to be your host on this podcast. I'm the founder and MD of the Classification Guru, a specialist in data classification, taxonomy, customization, and data cleansing. In today's podcast, I'll be speaking with Don Murray, president at Safe Software. We're going to be talking about how data is key to us addressing modern day challenges as individuals, enterprises, countries, and as a species. So, you know, just a few things there. Welcome back, Don. How are you? Why don't you give us a little bit of an intro and background for those who are listening to this for the first time? Yeah, and um, yeah, thanks for having me back, Susan. It's always great to uh, talk with you. My name is Don Murray, and I'm one of the founders of Safe Software. And uh, we're a company that focuses on moving data so that organizations can build the new technologies and applications they, they need in the today's um, data-driven world. So, yeah. Fantastic. Well, this is our third episode together. Why don't you give us a little recap on our fascinating discussion on digital twins, which I absolutely loved. Yeah, digital twins is a really, you know, an, an interesting one because it is an, a new technology that is totally dependent on data. Without a wide variety of different data types, there would be no way to build these these digital twins. Digital twins are driving everything from anybody who has a Tesla that's been inside the um, the car can see the real time digital twin of the cars and the cones and the you know everything going on around them. Um, we also see a lot of initiatives around. Um, digital cities. And um, and again, they, the, to build a digital city, you need lots of data. You need to, know to have the 3D data for the buildings. You need to have the, the imagery for the size, you know, the sides of the buildings. You need to know where the infrastructure is. And the whole idea is um, from these, from digital twins, you can build a whole new class of applications on top of that framework to help run cities better or, you know, make your car safer or even online shopping. You know, a lot of places now, um, Ikea and even some clothing places, you can go online and, you know, and try things on and and see what it's going to look like. And, you know, and again, um, without data, there just wouldn't be um, anything to build a digital twin on. True. And of course, clean data, just get that one in there. Absolutely. And it's kind of funny when we started Safe Software, we assumed that all data was good and clean. Oh, wow. But you learned pretty quickly that's not the case. Oh, we realized that and right at the very beginning that, oh my goodness, most data has challenges and data quality is something that, you know, is never finished because your data, you can always make your data better and better and better. And um, we, and we come from the spatial arena where we worked on data. And we also found that Data sometimes is good enough for one application, but in order to take it for another application, it needs to be cleaner or more accurate, you know, so, you know, things like that. And one example would be you want to reach out to, you know, you're building an application, you want to reach out to your customers. Well, if you only have, you know, city or state information about where your customers are, that's not good enough. You're going to need, you know, you're going to need addresses and then you're going to need things like reverse, like geocoding to actually know where they are. So you know, depending on the application depend, is a big driver in how good um, your data is and good data drives good decisions. Yeah. Also, I think it's people need to know what's wrong and what's right. They need to know their data before they can understand if it's right or wrong. And sometimes that's missing. 
Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. You have to understand, you know, is your data good enough to even support what you want to do for it? And, and because if you build an, you know, an application on top of data, that's, that's dirty, um, you're going to get dirty answers and they might, the answers might not have any value at all. So yeah, data quality. And, and we don't have a customer that doesn't use our stuff for, for cleaning data. Yeah. Yeah, and there's whole websites dedicated to where data has gone wrong, so we know it happens. Yeah, yeah. there's a good there's a good conference on Excel, and all the bad decisions have been made from a bad Excel spreadsheet. So, yes, exactly. Um, so we're going to move the discussion on a little bit now forward to the world of data. So you know, just a small topic to to cover. <laughs> um, so you know, where would you say data's going? Mm-hmm. Well, well, the the volume of data is just exploding, not, not in terms of just sheer bytes, but in, sh- in terms also of the variety of data. We're living in a time now where we're almost collecting data on everything in real time and then figuring it out. And then, you know, adding adding um, extra complexities that is now we have with sensors and all these things, we have real time data coming that we want to leverage to drive yet even new you know, even new decisions. And um, yeah, and, and the, the interesting about data is it drives technologies, new technologies like AR and AI and ML and digital twins. These are new technologies that just have a voracious appetite for data. And on top of that is going to be a whole new class of, um, you know, of applications. For us, we build um, the ability to deliver data to an AR platform. From then, you know, ISVs and application builders are going to build these, you know, razor-focused, you know, apps and other things on top of that data. But without the data, um, you really have, you know, you have nothing. And, um, and, you know, there's new technologies that come together to, you know, data drives the new technologies, but there's also these other things that we need. We need the virtual limit processing and storage capacity of the cloud to store all this data we want. We need the high-speed connectivity of 5G and high-speed internet. And, and, and also these mobile devices now, the power in the new iPhones and new Android devices and Magic Leap devices is just phenomenal what can go on in those devices. So those things come together going to enable a whole new class of applications. But it needs data. These are data consumers you know. Yeah, they're not really phones anymore, are they? No, no. I can't remember the last time I made a phone call. I mean, really. Yeah, it's true. Um, in terms of the phones, I mean, where do you see that going in the future then? How are we going to use those? Absolutely. We're, we're seeing new sensors all the time. So on the uh, the Apple phone now, they have laser scanner or LiDAR on the phone. We're going to see that in the other platforms, I'm sure. You know, we have GPS on them, so we know where they are all the time. The processing is just going to get faster and faster, and 5G is just at just at the beginning. And I, you know, I don't think we can even imagine um, what 5G is going to do, you know, for us all, because now we're going to be able to deliver more data to the device faster and get data from the device faster. Yeah, it's going to be, um, you know, just amazing. Even in, you know, not to talk about Tesla too much, but in the car, you can actually turn on a device so you can actually look at all the cameras when you're um, sitting in your office or you're away from home, if, if you know, your car sends you an alert, you can actually look and see what's going on in real time. And that is, hu- that, that is a huge amount of data, requires a high-speed internet and, uh, and applications to, to use that. Yeah. That's amazing. Um, but can you still go between two hills or mountains in Scotland and get a signal? That's my question. I'm not sure, <laughs> sure if they figured that oh, one out yet. I have some funny stories about driving in Scotland with the GPS and, and funny uh, 
dirt roads, yes. <laughs> in a rental car, yes. Oh my goodness. Oh, my I can't wait to hear about that another yeah. time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, you know, there is so much data around now and it's v- extremely valuable. But, but who owns that now? Like, if we have our phones, do we own it? Or if the car data that you just talked about, who owns that? Yeah. And that is the question that we're just grappling with as society. You know, in Europe, you have, um, you know, you have GDPR, um, which really has set the standard for privacies on what organizations are allowed to store and for how long. And, um, and you know, SAFE sells a lot into um, Europe. And so we follow GDPR just worldwide. You know, c- people can request that you delete all their information. And we've had a few of those. So we do that. We really, you know, and it, it's, in addition to who owns it, that whole GDPR has really made us more conscious of thinking about keeping data, you know, data secure. And, you know, one of the things I was at a medical conference and they were talking about, you know, medical data. And I asked, who owns, who owns my medical data? And um, there's people from the BC Health Agency and they were all about data ownership and data privacy. And I was like, and they said they did. And I said, why? It's mine. It's about me. I should own my data. I should be able to take my data about my body, my system, my genes, and I should be able to give that to any technology provider or service provider I want to provide better services for me. And so I don't know what it's like the rest of the world, but in you know in Canada and BC, we're now really having that discussion about who owns who owns the data. And it's, um, you know, in the past, it was all in p- pieces of paper. And if, if your medical is anything like ours, it's very, there's too much paper. And so now they're digitizing it. So now these um, questions are, are coming up and, you know, ethics and who accountability and protecting the data. And, um, and it's easy too for um, organizations. Um, we have a restaurant in Canada called Tim Hortons and they were, had built an app and they were collecting all this great data. So they thought about all of their people who had the app. And then they found that they, they found themselves on the wrong side of the line about privacy. And of course the media, you know, um, use them as an example. And, and then the question is, well, where is the line? I think we're having that discussion now about where is the line because currently it's, you know, we're just ha- at the beginning of that. And, uh, and then there's that big story with Nike and Full Story. There's a class action lawsuit where Nike engaged this company called Full Story. And, um, and um, the, it was deemed the class action lawsuit claims are collecting way too much information about the user experience on the website. And, and again, you know, we're figuring all that out. Where is that line? Yeah. And when I, um, I'm talking about GDPR, because it, it's not just about protecting the security of the data, it's only having the data that you need. So if you don't need someone's date of birth, you shouldn't be right. storing exactly. it and exactly. making sure that it's correct as well. That's the other thing that people forget. Exactly. And, um, and I know when it came out, when we were getting ready to, you know, um, when it came, when it was announced, it was coming, we looked at ours and said, what are we even storing that we shouldn't be? Right. And, um, yeah. and you know, we never had birth dates because you don't want birth dates. You don't want credit card numbers. You don't want any financial information. You just want. So we just store the basics of what we need to, you know, provide support and know what the customer, you know, purchased and things like that. And it's um, it was a real eye opener and it forced us. And I think that's one of the great successes of GDPR. You know, when it first came out, of course, everybody was freaked out, but it's really forced us to have that discussion internally. And all these companies have that discussion of what do we need to store and and, you know, I mean, how are we going to protect it? So it's been, uh, yeah, it's been great. Yeah. It's, it's interesting, though, because when it came out, 
I, I did a, a kind of campaign, you know, get your data clean for GDPR and nobody took it up. And it was only about nine, 10 months after GDPR came in that everybody started to panic when yeah. they saw that people were getting fined and scrutinized. And yeah, yeah. But, uh, but I think, it, you know, it is, it is for the good. But we've seen some huge companies uh, like H&M in Europe get fined massive amounts of money for, for misuse of data. Yeah, 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 yeah. And we also have, you know, the privacy in web browsers now. We all have that cookie thing, right? Like, you know, do you allow cookies or not? And But then some, some websites restrict it too. If you don't have your third-party cookies on, um, they make it difficult for you to access some of their services. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So it's um, and and this is all good. It's all about protecting, you know, the privacy of the consumer and uh, and um, you know, holding you know everybody in technology to account and saying what do you really need and you know why and and force you to have that discussion. Why are you collecting that data rather than just hey, let's collect everything? Which, you know, I think you know earlier earlier on in this this journey in, of technology, that was probably the way everybody was excited to get all the data they could, right? Yeah. I'm not sure. I mean, who really does own the data? It's not really us, is it? We like to think it's us and that we have access yeah. to all our data, but I, but I don't think it's also one source. I think it's different companies have different parts of our data, like you were saying. Yeah, yeah exactly. And and we, you know, and we, you know, in GDPR, I, I can ask a company that I'm no longer doing business with to delete my data and. Uh, We've had a few of those, and we have a process in place. And and um, but yeah, it's a question: who does own it? I think medical data might be might be a simple one because I think I should own. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe the the, the BC agency does own it. But that's I think the important thing is we're having the discussion about who does own it, and you know maybe they own it, but I'm still allowed to share it to um, you know to, to whoever I want, right? Yeah, and and I think we've spoken about this before, perhaps, but you know, I still have um, data of mine that is twenty years old, and people are yeah. still phoning me, thinking I live at I know address that I lived at twenty years ago. Yeah, doing the rounds, um, nobody seems to be policing that. So, it, I mean, we could talk about this until next week, I think. But um, <laughs> and that's another one of the challenges, uh, you know, as data volume is just blows up right this just gets bigger and bigger and bigger is how do we keep it relevant and it goes back to your data quality like at some point day data just gets bad just by itself right and, and the classic one you just said is where your address at one point that data on what that address was clean it was good data but uh you moved around susan's <laughs> <laughs> so you made that data bad you made that yeah, data. i did it was my fault <laughs> You made the data dirty by uh, by changing your address, and of course, you know there's no you don't notify everybody in the world who has that address because how would you possibly know, right? So yeah, yeah, it's um, not certainly not one we're going to agree on or, or uh, solve today. That's for sure. No, that's for sure. Yeah. But yeah. do you think maybe one day we'll see some kind of data police? I think. Yeah, that, that's a great, great question. I, I think um, certainly there's organizations out there who are using data for the wrong reason. They're doing, you know, nasty things. And um, and I think, you know, a, as part of every police force now, there's, you know, the E, the e unit, which is, you know, um, electronic crime. And I can see those only growing in, in importance because things like um, identity theft are happening more and more. And that is largely an online 
crime. We have we have you know organizations um, data being locked down, and then they're being you know there's a ransom. So we're seeing that. So I think we do, and that just that shows two things. A that shows how valuable the data is to a company that you know locking out their data effectively can shut them down. But it also shows that we need, as a society, we need we do need data police who are going to go out there and and look for people who are you know using it for the wrong purposes or out there to steal data, um, and because uh, data is the most valuable thing many corporations have. You know, like um, yeah. when I lose a laptop, <laughs> I don't lose them often, but I'm I'm never in the old days. I wasn't worried about the hardware. I was worried about about the data on the hardware. Yeah. Now everything's in the cloud, so. Um, now I worry about the hardware because uh, I'm not worried about it anymore. <laughs> <laughs> Back to the data. Um, it's had massive implications for us in the past few years, um, specifically around COVID. How, how has data led the charge against fighting COVID and spatial data particularly? Yeah, so spatial data in particular is where, where, we, uh, where we play in. And right from the start, there was, you know, there's this company called Blue Dot that track, their whole business is tracking infectious diseases and then making that data available to the, you know, the World Health WHO and then governments and clients around the world. And they, they noticed um, something up with COVID you know, before the WHO uh, mentioned anything. And so, and I'm sure now they're, you know, they're using it to watch monkeypox and things like this. But this was the first time that we really, really got to see, you know, how these things spread. And um, yeah. we made, and, and I'm sure we've learned a lot as a society on on what works, what doesn't work, you know, um, how to clamp down. And, and, um, and then, you know, we had contact tracing and um, we had, you know, numbers going up everybody had the you know the number of positive cases and so data 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 was just um you know front and center in in the battling that that pandemic yeah and it, i guess it's helped us a lot to know where to avoid in terms of hot spots and travel etc and I, I bet that, that that company that you've just mentioned never thought they would be so well known in the world yeah uh, yeah exactly and uh you know in the and so it just drove home, you know, and for data work, they processed huge amounts of data, this massive amounts of data in the cloud using, you know, the, you know, parallel processing. So they could just grind this huge amounts of data um, really, really quickly in order to notice, notice patterns. Right. So, yeah, it's, it's that, phenomenal. It is. Yeah. And that's just one example of data's role in the fight for good. But there, you know, there's current geopolitical situations and breaking stories. You know, in the clothing industry, we have um, Sheen or Shine. Um, show us how data can be used for bad as well as good. Yeah, um, like, yeah. What's what's yeah. data's role in this fight? You know, what's it? You know, what should it be? Yeah, and, and and what they're doing is they're they're generating, you know, they're using data and consumer, you know, they're watching what consumer tastes change on a daily basis, and then they have AI and ML to consume this data to design new clothes, new clothing really, really quickly, and they become a, a billion dollar industry building, you know, really um, disposable, you know, low cost clothing for you know for the masses, and it's a huge ecological footprint they have, carbon footprint. You know, the textile industry already has, you know, in many places is huge, huge pollution that they create. 
And, um, and this is just sort of takes it to the next level and, and says, you know, like really just because we can do something with data, should we be doing it with data? Um, not everything that it's data makes possible um, is a responsible thing. Also, I mean, again, with, with AI and clothing, if the measurements are wrong, then you end up with a piece of clothing where the arms are shorter or longer than they should be. It might not be well made, yeah. Um, yeah. But it, but it's also generating more waste as well. I would say because it's probably easier to throw the item away than send it back. Yeah, yeah. And I'm sure they're just you know the amount of of clothing that it that is being just throw, as you say just thrown away is 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 tremendous. So yeah. So that's just that's just one example. And I think you know and, you know and there's other ones like what happens with all these things when you order them online, they come to your house and you return them, dude how many of those just it's cheaper to put them in the landfill than it is to actually figure out how to, um, you know, re, re, redeploy them or, or, or make yeah, sure. I'm too old. Them. I like to go to shops and feel yeah. the material. There and... is, yeah. I buy a lot online, but there is something about wandering around and, you know, have, having the experience in, you know, in the real world. And... and actually maybe that's where we could start to use data for good and designing better retail experiences to get people back in the shops. Yes. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. And, you know, like one of the common problems in any store where data could help is, you know, is where is that item right in a big store? And it would yeah. be great if somehow, you know, the stores, you could just say, where's that item? And it would just, it would just direct you, you know, to find that. And that's a, that would, that's a great example of AR because on your device, you could have an AR app that would just draw the line in the store and, uh, uh, and then you would find it, you know, different times in a I grocery mean, store. I've been wandering up and down the aisles and, you know, looking for this item. I know they have. And my they've moved it again. My, yeah. Yeah. I look for one of those people who shop for the store, you know, for the pickup and then I ask them because I know they know where everything is. <laughs> With the spatial data side as well, could it monitor like hotspots where there's a lot of traffic yeah, and things absolutely. like that? So you yeah, could see yeah. what's popular, what you might need more yeah. of. Yeah. And then you could you could also have promotions where if somebody, you know, you could charge a vendor to be in one of your hotspots, right? So that then, you know, you have a new product, you want a lot of eyes on it because you know only a certain percent of the people who get eyes on it would buy it. If you knew where the hotspots were in your store, you could kind of use other items to draw people to that area, sort of like shopping malls. They have those anchor tenants. And so that's a good one, Susan. I like that one a lot. Yeah, that would make, you know, help the help the store um, move more product, help the customer, you know, um, come up with meet new products, for lack of a better word, that they, they didn't know existed and uh, and help the, you know, the, the, the new person with a new item to to get eyes on it. And yeah. So that's a that's good it, Don. Between us, we're going to take over and change and turn around the retail world. We are. We are. Just <laughs> <laughs> but it's a great example of what data can do to make something as common as a retail experience, right? And the other, the flip side yeah. is if you have hotspots, you might want to split some things up to try to, you know, to try to yeah. spread out the traffic in your in your store. So yeah, yeah, yeah. That's great. Well, let's get deep and meaningful again. Um, it, it's obvious now that data powers our society and the societies of everyone worldwide. But how as a species can we make better decisions with data? Yeah, um, we as a society, you know, in a planet, we face many big challenges from global warming to, you know, food 
production to you know housing to and um and in all of these um data is key to helping us understand the problems um and being able to uh, make make better decisions and so when you think about all the big challenges of the world how can we not attack them without just as much good data you know as we can possibly get to helping you know understand and, and just know more about the about the challenges that are in front of us so we can make you know we can make better decisions and in business you know the data is key um you know businesses you know are are, are really are responsible for like for three things and um and um, you know you have to look after your customers you have to look after your employees and you have to look after you know your communities that you're in and that can be local community or that can be the worldwide community and, and you know and and make make the world a better make the world a better place and then you know you notice i didn't put the shareholders or owners on that because i think that if you look after those first three look after your customers look after your, your team members and then look after the local communities the last one um, just looks after looks after itself, and that's really it does. And but so much today is you know the dollar, right? I just need to profit, and and um, and we're seeing you know this discrepancy in society that we need to fix too. And data again is critical to that, helping us understand, you know, how can I serve my customers better? How can I treat my team members better? How can I make my community a better place to live? And and all those decisions require require data. Oh, feeling quite touched there and all emotional now. Yeah, it is. It's true. Um, you know, and actually taking the retail example and hotspots, we can do that with populations as well. Yes. Yeah. Looking for congestion, every, you know, everywhere on our highways and our roads and in our communities. And how can we, you know, put the resources where where people want to be or and, you know, and, and um, you know, improve the location of other people. There's you know, law enforcement, um, crime, you know, analysis requires lots of data and how can we make our communities safer? So how can we make our roads safer? I know we have lots of customers that, you know, in the Department of Transportations and that use the data accident data to look at how can they make their roads safer, you know, and just how can we make the average commute time, you know, shorter and, you know, and, uh, you know, we know even building design now, we're looking at, yeah. you know, in the old days, in the 70s, well, in the 70s in North America, anyway, we just threw up buildings. We didn't really think about them as, hey, this is actually, these are places where people live and and work. And so now, you know, there's this whole thing about what kind of environment makes, you know, a building a better, a better place and more, you know, more um, comfortable for, for its inhabitants. And, and that's all driven by, you know, by data. Yeah. Amazing. Well, I can't believe it, Don. That is our time up again. It always goes far too quickly. We should have a marathon one day soon. I know, we do. We need to. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much for all your insights today. It's been amazing, as always. Thank you. It's always fun. Thank you. Thank you to everyone who's listened to our conversation. If you would like more information on what we've discussed today, make sure you head on over to safesoftware.com. You can also catch our other episodes. We'll be back next week with another episode in our podcast series. Until then, make sure you subscribe to this podcast on all major platforms. Follow this conversation on our socials at EM360Tech, on Twitter and LinkedIn. And for more great daily content, head over to EM360Tech.com. Thank you, Susan. Thank you.